Good morning, Sunrise, Buenos Dias, Comunidad Amanecer. It is so good that we can be together in this way. Uh, any way is good, and this is the way we have for now. Es bueno estar juntos con ustedes. And I am just excited to say, this is unusual, but I want to say, happy birthday, Sunrise. Feliz cumpleaños, Iglesia Comunidad Amanecer. That's right, it was on March 28, 1999, 21 years ago that we started as a church. Hace 21 años comenzamos con una iglesia, con un gran servicio, and uh, this is a very different birthday celebration. We had a big one last year. This is kind of, you know, calm, and, and uh, Melissa and I were the only two uh, here today. We're the ones that were at that first service, and some of you out there were as well. So I just want to take that moment to say, praise God for his goodness to us. Alabado sea Dios por su bondad hacia nosotros. And you know, as we get into our, our Bible time right now, that song you just heard and sang, uh, it's an old one, but I like there's one part of that song that is really my prayer right now. Hay una parte de esa canción que es mi oración. And it says, let my lips be filled with messages from thee. And that's really my prayer as we begin today. Lord, may my lips be filled with messages from you, and may our ears be willing to receive it. Que mis labios, Señor, tenga tu, tengan tu mensaje y que también podamos tener oídos para escuchar lo que nos digas. We ask that in Jesus' name. En el nombre del Señor Jesús. Amen. So we're in this series on Luke, and today is actually the very final time we'll be looking at two chapters at a time. We have a couple more messages. There'll be just one chapter at a time. Es el último mensaje donde estamos cubriendo solo dos capítulos, o dos capítulos. Los próximos vamos a cubrir un capítulo cada vez. So I want to invite you into our scripture focus. It's from Luke chapter 22, verses 45 through 57. Lucas 22, 45 al 57. It's a little bit longer reading but not that much longer. And I'm going to be reading this text first in English and then in Spanish, and we're focusing on chapters 21 and 22 today. Estamos leyendo lo que son capítulos 21 y 22 hoy, o cubriendo esos dos capítulos. So give you a chance. I want to give you a chance just to get your Bibles out through your phone or, or other means. And please follow along with me as I start in English. This is the Word of God for us. Esta es la Palabra de Dios para nosotros. When he, that is Jesus, rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. 
Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. Cuando Jesús terminó de orar y volvió a los discípulos, los encontró dormidos, agotados por la tristeza. ¿Por qué están durmiendo? les exhortó. Levántense y oren para que no caigan en tentación. Todavía estaba hablando Jesús cuando se apareció una turba y al frente iba uno de los doce, el que se llamaba Judas. Este se acercó a Jesús para besarlo, pero Jesús le preguntó, ¿Judas, con un beso traicionas al Hijo del Hombre? Los discípulos que lo rodeaban al darse cuenta de lo que pasaba dijeron, Señor, atacamos con la espada. Y uno de ellos hirió al siervo del sumo sacerdote, cortándole la oreja derecha. Déjenlos, ordenó el Señor. Entonces le tocó la oreja al hombre y lo sanó. Luego dijo a los jefes de los sacerdotes, a los capitanes del templo y a los ancianos que habían venido a prenderlo, ¿Acaso soy un bandido para que vengan contra mí con espadas y palos? Todos los días estaba con ustedes en el templo y no se atrevieron a ponerme las manos encima. Pero ya ha llegado la hora de ustedes cuando reinan las tinieblas. Prendieron entonces a Jesús y lo llevaron a la casa del sumo sacerdote. Pedro los seguía de lejos. Pero luego cuando, en, eh, cuando encendieron una fogata en medio del patio y se sentaron alrededor, Pedro se les unió. Una criada lo vio allí sentado a la lumbre, lo miró detenidamente y dijo, este estaba con él. Pero él lo negó, muchacha, no lo conozco. So long before there were virtual reality goggles, which we now have today, antes de las gafas de realidad virtual, uh, long before there was uh, Pixar 3D, long before there were uh, holographic images, uh, generations before, including my generation, uh, we enjoyed a kind of visual experience that was really wonderful. Generaciones antes, como la mía, gozamos de una experiencia visual. Now, the technical name for it is stereoscopic imaging. Las imágenes estereoscópicas. But we didn't call it that at all. We knew it as the Viewmaster experience, or simply Viewmaster. La llamábamos la experiencia Viewmaster, Señor Vista en español, a lo mejor. And the idea was just this. You had this wheel of images, uh, like slides, if you know what those are. Había una rueda como de diapositivos, and you, you put it into the Viewmaster goggles, and then, and then you held it up to the light, and you would look through it. Se miraba por medio de estas gafas especiales, and, and you would enter into this world with these wonderful uh, multi-dimensional uh, pictures with depth. Había imágenes multidimensionales. And I can remember even you could... Now, this is going back. You could take a 45 record. Uh, ask old people what a 45 record is. But you could take a 45 record and you could tell a little Disney story or something like that and change the images and you could actually listen to a story and see it happening. Hasta podía, se podía tocar un disco para mirar la historia. And that was the Viewmaster experience. Now, the science behind that was pretty simple. 
uh, you have two images, hay dos imágenes, and those two images were a photo of something, that, and the photos were just slightly different. Había dos fotos algo diferentes, and when you put them together in the goggles, what happens is the brain tries to make sense of it, and so the brain actually combines the two images together to form a, a kind of three-dimensional picture of what is going on. El cerebro combina las dos imágenes para formar algo en tres dimensiones, and that's really all it is. So today, as we're looking at Luke chapter 21 and 22, I believe that what we find here is something similar to that kind of viewmaster experience. Vemos algo parecido aquí en Lucas 21, 22. Jesus in these two chapters is really lifting up for us some images. And these images, we need to understand, have to do with some things that are going to happen that are similar. Jesús levanta unas imágenes del futuro. They're images of the future. They are images of an immediate future and they are images of a far future. Son imágenes de un futuro lejano y cercano. And when those two images of the far future and the near future come together, Jesus is really lifting up for us this multi-dimensional picture of what God is going to do in our world to get rid of sin and evil, to address that. Es una imagen multidimensional de lo que Dios va a hacer para enfrentar el pecado y el mal. And it starts with an image that Luke has already been talking about in the early chapters. In the first chapters of Luke, the temple is an image that really figures prominently. It's there a lot. Se trata del templo en los primeros capítulos de Lucas. And here in the final chapters of Luke, he's also talking about the temple. También habla del templo. And so... In chapter 21, verse 5, we see this begin to happen. Now, we need to understand what the temple's all about. The temple, again, for the Jewish people was the focal point of their faith. El templo era el punto de enfoque de su fe. It was the place where you connected with God. It was the gateway into God's presence. Fue la puerta de la presencia de Dios. And, and the temple, uh, among all those things, was the place where sin was dealt with, at least on a temporary basis. Allí se enfrentó, se resolvió el pecado de forma temporal. And in a sense, it was the one spot where you could go to see something of the glory of God. Había un vestazo a la gloria de Dios. And so in chapter 21, verse 5, the disciples are, are walking through the temple with Jesus and they're looking at the stones, and they're looking at the decorations, and they're watching the, the offerings and the sacrifices taking place. Los discípulos ven las piedras y, y, y los adornos y los sacrificios. And they are taken in by this. They're excited. They are uh, they're just uh, marveling. Están maravillándose del templo. It is for them uh, the ultimate viewmaster experience for their faith. Es como una experiencia de viewmaster para su fe. But then, in chapter 21, verse 6, Jesus throws some shade on their sunshine. He kind of plays it down. Jesús les echa un poco de sombra a esto. He says in chapter 21, verse 6, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. En cuanto a todo esto que ven ustedes, llegará el día en que no quedará piedra sobre piedra. Todo será derribado. 
And then, from that point, Jesus launches into this long teaching, esta enseñanza larga. And when we read it, it can seem a little bit confusing. At first, the disciples are puzzled. What? The stones are coming down? The temple's going to be destroyed? How? When is this going to happen? What's the sign of this? ¿Cuándo será esto, dicen los discípulos? ¿Cuáles son las señales de esto? And that's where Jesus begins this explanation. On the one hand, he seems to be saying, uh, this isn't going to happen right away. Por un lado, he's saying, eso no va a pasar pronto. There are going to be false messiahs, there's going to be wars, there will be riots, habrá falso mesías, guerras, alborotos, there will be earthquakes and, and famines and diseases of all kind, habrá terremotos, enfermedades, pestes, etc. It won't happen right away. But then, on the other hand, Jesus seems to be saying, these events that I'm talking about are just around the corner. Por otro lado, dice, esto está por venir muy pronto. He goes into that and he says, you yourselves, you the disciples, you're going to be arrested and hauled before kings and governors to testify about me. Ustedes serán arrestados y traídos ante reyes y gobernadores. That's in, in chapter uh, 21, verse 12. And he says, Jerusalem, it's going to be surrounded. And eventually Jerusalem is going to be invaded and destroyed by the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Jerusalem será rodeado, destruido por los no-judíos. And he goes on to say, you know, there's going to be times of trial. You'll be brought to trial. Ustedes van a estar ante tribunal. And you're going to give testimony to the whole world of who I am. Darán testimonio a todo el mundo de quien soy yo. And not only that, he goes back and forth and he's saying there's going, to be, there's going to be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. Habrá señales en la luna, el sol, las estrellas. And the heavens are going to be shaken. Los cielos estarán sacudidos. And people are going to be scared spitless by all of this. La gente va a estar muy aterrorizada, dice Jesús. And then in chapter 21, verse 27, he comes to this point. And this is what he says. Uh, he says in verse 27, At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Entonces verán al Hijo del Hombre venir en una nube con poder y gran gloria. So what's going on here? ¿Qué pasa aquí? Well, Bible experts believe that as our perfect prophet, Jesus is giving us a picture here of the future. As I said before, he's giving us a picture of the immediate future and he's giving us a picture of the far future and he's doing it at the same time. Jesús nos está dando un retrato de futuro cercano y lejano. In the near future, in the immediate future, he's talking about the events that we mentioned last week. He's talking about the time in 70 AD when the Roman Empire comes in and invades Jerusalem and they destroy the temple. Not one stone left upon another. Se refiere a los eventos del año 70 cuando los romanos invaden y destruyen el templo. And that was a chaotic time. Jesus was spot on. We know from history 
that in that time the disciples were arrested and they were brought before governors and kings and, and you can read about some of that in the book of Acts. En ese tiempo eh, los eh, apóstoles sí fueron arrestados y ante reyes y gobernadores. There were false messiahs. There were wars. There were riots in that time. Había falsos messias y alborotos y todo eso en aquel tiempo. And there was a lot of persecution. So yes, those things actually happened. It was chaotic. In fact, in the two years before the destruction of the temple, there were four different Roman emperors. Everything was going wild. Había mucho caos. Cuatro emperadores romanos en dos años antes de la destrucción del templo. That's the near future. And it was so. But looking further down the road, in the far future, Jesus is also pointing at something that has yet to come. He's talking about the final chapters of history. He's talking about the end of time. He's talking about God's plan to bring everything together when he will return in power and great glory to defeat all of God's enemies, Satan and sin and hell and death. And, and he will establish God's kingdom. God's kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Se trata el fin del mundo cuando Cristo venga para derrotar los enemigos de Dios y establecer su reino en la tierra como en el cielo. It's the picture that we have at the very end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 22 of the new heavens and the new earth, of God being with his people, no more tears. None of that is la imagen del Apocalipsis 22, el nuevo cielo, la nueva tierra. That's what Jesus is also looking at. When will that be? What will be the sign of that? ¿Cuándo será esto? We're in the same place as the disciples. We don't know exactly. But Jesus has some advice for them and for us. Hay consejo de Jesús para ellos y para nosotros. In chapter 21, verse 34, he says, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly, like a trap. Tengan cuidado, no sea que se les endurezca el corazón por el vicio, la embriaguez, las preocupaciones de esta vida. De otra manera, aquel día caerá de improviso sobre ustedes. What Jesus is saying there is, is you need to not get distracted by the things of this life. Don't fall asleep. Don't deny reality of what is going on. No, no se duerman, no se, sean distraídos por la vida y no nieguen la realidad. You need to, to not, uh, it's going to come quickly and you won't be aware of it. Va a venir pronto y no van a estar conscientes de esto. And then in chapter 21, 36, he says something else. He says, here's the other piece of my advice. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Estén siempre vigilantes y oren para que puedan escapar de todo lo que está por suceder y presentarse delante del Hijo del Hombre. So he said, first of all, don't fall asleep, don't be distracted. No se distraigan, no se duerman. But now he's saying, be alert. Be watching. Estén alerta. Estén vigilantes. But as you're watching, don't panic. Pray. No permita el pánico más bien oren. Pray that you will be able to escape these hard times and you'll stand firm 
in your relationship with me. You'll stand firm in your faith. Oren para que se puedan escapar y estar firmes en su fe. So what we see here in this very long explanation of the temple, we have an image of, of what God is going to do and we also have encouragement of what we are to do. Vemos en esto la imagen de lo que Dios va a hacer y lo que nosotros debemos hacer. And then we come to chapter 22 and we have another image that Jesus lifts up. It's the image of the Passover feast. En 22 hay la imagen de la Pascua. Now, if you know anything about the story of Israel, the Passover feast is that meal where the Israelites killed a perfect, spotless lamb, and they ate its meat, and they put its blood over their doorposts, over their doors. Los israelitas mataron un cordero perfecto y comieron la carne y pusieron la sangre sobre sus puertas. Why? So that death would pass over them and strike the Egyptians, and set them free from slavery. La muerte les pasó por encima, mató a los egipcios, y así fueron librados. This Passover meal was, was uh, uh, marking the defining salvation event for the people of Israel when they were saved. Esto definió la salvación para los israelitas. And now, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. Jesús está en el aposento alto. And they're eating the Passover feast. They're eating the same meal. Están comiendo la Pascua. And Jesus takes bread. Jesus takes a cup, a part of that meal, and he gives them to the disciples. Jesús toma la copa y también el pan. And he says, this is my body. This is my blood. Ese es mi cuerpo y esta es mi sangre. What Jesus is saying is, I'm that Passover lamb. I am the Passover lamb that's going to give my, my body, my flesh, and my blood so that you will be saved, so that death and sin and hell and Satan and all the powers of darkness will pass over you and deliver you. And I am going to save and I'm going to produce a new exodus of a new Israel with Gentiles and, and Jews and all peoples who trust in me. I'm that Passover lamb. Yo soy el nuevo cordero de Pascua que voy a dar mi carne, mi sangre para que pase por encima la muerte, el infierno Jesus is that Passover lamb. But in the middle of this image, we need to notice a couple things. I can notar algo. First of all, we're told here that, that Satan entices Judas, one of the twelve, to betray Jesus. Satanás seduce a Judas a traicionar a Jesús. But not only that, in chapter 22, 31, Jesus says to Simon, also known as Peter, he says, Simon, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Simón, Pedro dice, Jesús, Satanás ha pedido sarandearte como si fueras trigo. That is, Satan is about to rake you over the coals. He's about to beat you up. He's about to, to tempt you and try you. Satanás te va a golpear. Satanás te, te, te va a abusar. You need to be aware of that. But look, he's not only saying, this is going to happen to you, Peter. No solo dice, esto te va a pasar a ti, Pedro. 
Actually, in the Bible, we don't quite see it in English, but the, the you there, when he says Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, the you is not just you, Simon. The you is plural. It's you all. Satan is as, as asked to get after all of you, to beat up all of you. Satanás ha, ha pedido zarandearlos a ustedes. Es plural. A todos ustedes. And certainly that's talking in the near future. That's talking about the disciples. En el futuro cercano se trata de los discípulos. Why? Because the disciples, in just a little while, they're going to fall asleep in the garden. They're going to panic in the garden. And Peter, in the middle of that, is going to deny, even knowing Jesus, he's going to deny his very Lord. Los discípulos van a dormir en el jardín y también estar en pánico en el jardín y Pedro va a negar al Señor tres veces. That's what's going to happen in the near future. But there's a far future part of this too. I believe that Jesus is not only talking about Peter and the disciples, he's talking about us. Jesús hablando de nosotros también. Está hablando de nosotros. You see, we need to understand this story of Peter in a different way. This story of Peter is not just Peter's story. We dare not step back and say, Ah, oh, poor Peter. You know, that guy, boy, I'm glad I never did anything like that. But boy, that poor guy, he, he really uh, took it on the chin. No debemos decir, pobre Pedro, eh, la regó. Pues yo no he hecho esto. We find the naked truth exposed for us in chapter 22, verse 54. Capitulo 22, versículo 54. It says, seizing him, that is when they arrested Jesus, they took him to the high priest's house, and it says, Peter followed at a distance. Dice que al restar a Jesús, Pedro lo seguía de lejos. We need to listen to that. Can you and I today say that we have never followed Jesus at a distance? ¿Podemos decir que nunca hemos seguido a Jesús desde lejos? Can you and I say that we have never denied Jesus by our actions or by our words or by something else? ¿Podemos decir que nunca hemos negado a Jesús? Because you see, the reality is too painful. The reality is we've done more. We've not just denied Jesus three times. We've denied him many more times. Every time we sin, it is a denial of Jesus. Hemos negado a Jesús mucho más que tres veces. Peter's story is our story. La historia de Pedro es la nuestra. And when we take the image of Peter, and when we take the image of ourselves, and we put them side by side, they don't look much different. What we have here is a three-dimensional view of our incompetence, of our failure before the Lord. La imagen de Pedro y la nuestra son parecidas y se ven eh, eh, juntas como una imagen multidimensional de nuestro pecado. Let's go back to the disciples because I think there's something we need to see here. The disciples did exactly the opposite of what Jesus told them to do. Hicieron los discípulos lo opuesto. Why? As I said before, they fell asleep in the garden. It says they were weighed down with sorrow, exhausted from sorrow. Durmieron en el jardín, agotados por la tristeza. They, they fell asleep at the wheel. And then when, when the, the multitude came to arrest Jesus, cuando llegaron para arrestar a Jesús, what did they do? They did the other thing Jesus told them not to do. They panicked. 
They should have been praying, but they panicked. They whipped out their swords and someone cut off the high priest's ear and Jesus had to heal him or the high priest's servant's ear. Jesus had to heal him. Uh, estaban en pánico. Uno sacó su espada para herir la oreja del siervo de sumo sacerdote. Here's the thing. Again, we can't say all those stupid disciples because this is us. We live most of our lives going back and forth between denying reality and panicking. Vamos entre los dos en negar la realidad y estar en pánico. Ah, this COVID coronavirus thing is a hoax. It's no big deal. I was saying that a couple weeks ago. We fall asleep, don't we? Este, esta cosa del coronavirus es, es una fábula nomás. But then there's the other side of, oh my goodness, coronavirus, it's the end of the world. How am I to be saved? I know what my Savior is. It's toilet paper and water. Mi salvador es el papel higiénico y agua ahí por el coronavirus. You see what we do? We go back and forth. We go between falling asleep. We go to panic. And, and we live this way. Vivimos siempre. Entre dormirnos y el pánico. We want to either deny reality or panic because of it. Estamos en la negación o en el pánico. So, what are we to do? Well, I believe Jesus gives us the clue in chapter 22, verse 32. He says to Peter, he says to the disciples, and I think he says to us, I'm praying for you. Estoy orando por ti, dice Jesús a Pedro y a nosotros. I'm praying for you. When you've come back, strengthen your brothers. Cuando vuelvan, fortalece a tus hermanos. Jesus was in that garden praying. Jesus was in that garden doing the things that we couldn't do. He was awake and he was aware of his father's will. Jesús estuvo en el jardín atento a la voluntad de su padre. And when he was faced with that, he did not panic. Although he sweat drops of blood, he said, not my will, but yours be done. Sus dos gotas de sangre dijo, que se haga tu voluntad, padre. Here we have Jesus in 3D. He's praying for you and for me. And this is the great challenge. I, I think the greatest challenge in our chaotic world is not to panic and it's not to fall asleep and deny reality. The greatest challenge for us is to not do those things, but rather to keep the master in view. Hay que mantener a la vista al Señor. Keep Jesus in view. Mantengan a Jesús a la vista. Keep his predictions and his warnings in view. That's why we have them. Mantenga la vista sus predicciones y advertencias. Keep his parables and his promises in view. Mantenga sus parábolas y promesas. Keep his miracles and his teachings in view. Mantenga la vista sus milagros, sus enseñanzas. Keep his body and his blood in view. Mantenga la vista su cuerpo y su sangre. Keep Jesus in view. Keep the master in view. Mantenga la vista, Señor. That's what I think Luke wants us to do here. And that's what Jesus wants for us. Eso es lo que Jesús quiere para nosotros. He wants us to keep him in view. In fact, here's the thing. Jesus is the lens through which we need to see everything. 
we need to keep the master in view and we need to understand he is the view master. He is the one through which we need to see everything that happens in our lives. Él es el lente por el cual tenemos que ver todo lo que pasa en nuestra vida. That's why we've been in this series on Luke. We're immersing ourselves in Jesus so we can see everything through him. Who is Jesus? ¿Quién es Jesús? He's the true temple because he's the true place where sin is dealt with once and for all. Él es el verdadero templo donde se resuelve el pecado una vez y por todas. And he's the true Passover lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Él es el verdadero Cordero de Pascua. And so we need to see him in 3D. How do we do that? How do we, how do we work at this in in our day and age where we've got not only coronavirus, but there's ISIS, there's the stock market going all over the place, there's uh, invasion of our privacy happening and identity theft and there's crime and all of that stuff going on. ¿Cómo hacer esto en un mundo donde hay coronavirus, ISIS, la bolsa de valores que va en altibajos? What do we do? Well, obviously part of it is what we are doing. The 45 days of prayer that we started last week, 45 días de oración, If you're not a part of that, you can email us, office at Sunrise Community. And we need to pray because that's what Jesus said to do. Tenemos que orar. Estamos en un tiempo de 45 días de oración. It's reading God's word like we've been doing it the last two years. This is why we're in God's word, so we can keep the master in view. Leer la palabra de Dios. That's why we're studying Luke. All of that is a part of, of keeping the master in view. Por eso estudiamos Lucas. But I think there's something deeper. Hay algo más profundo. And we find it at the very beginning of chapter 21. Al comienzo de 21. We have this little widow coming to the temple. And she puts in just two measly coins. It's nothing. Una viuda pone dos monedas pobres en la caja del templo. She makes her little offering. And Jesus says, she's put in more than anybody else. Ella dado más que cualquiera. Why? Because she didn't just put in the coins. She put in her life. She put in herself. Ella entregó a sí misma su vida. We come to Jesus with our measly two-bit lives. And he says, put it in. Put in your life with me. Checamos a Jesús con nuestras vidas pobres. Él dice, métela. Mete tu vida conmigo. Put in your all with me. Cast your lot with me. And that's enough. Eso es suficiente, dice Jesús. Not, not because I'm enough. Not because we're enough. We're not enough. No porque seamos nosotros suficientes. It's enough. Because he's enough. He is more than enough. Él es más que suficiente. So that's the encouragement we have from God's word this week. Don't fall asleep. Don't panic. But strengthen your brothers and sisters. Encourage them. No se duerman ni entren en el pánico. Fortalecen, fortalezcan a sus hermanos. And above all, keep the master in view. Mantengan a la vista al Señor. What I want to do right now is to pray with you and then we're going to keep the master in view by reciting 
the Apostles' Creed, this declaration of faith. Vamos a orar y después recitar el credo de los apóstoles juntos. So would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you for again what we've absorbed in this series on Luke, how it helps us so much. I thank you for those who are listening and watching, who have been a part of this time today. Lord Jesus, how we struggle to keep you in view, but help us. Luchamos por tenerte a la vista. We get distracted. We, we fail to see in the chaos that you are in control. Thank you for your word that lifts you up to us, that gives us this picture of how great you are, how real you are. Help us to keep you ever before us. Que podamos, Señor, en tu palabra, en nuestro camino diario, mantenerte enfrente de nosotros. Keep us close to each other and close to you, even while we're separated. Do a great work in us and in our nation and in our world. May this be a time, Lord, unlike any other, where people flock to the feet of Jesus. Que sea un tiempo como, como ningún otro donde la gente acuda a los pies del Señor. That's our prayer and our desire. And help us to be a part of your plan. Thank you, Jesus. We now stand and we, we recite our faith in you. Vamos a ponernos de pie y recitar nuestra fe en ti. We pray in your holy name. Amen. So uh, I do, I want to invite you to stand up wherever you might be. And we're going to get this on the screen for you, the Apostles' Creed. We're going to say it first in English and then I'm going to turn it over to Martin who will recite it in Spanish and we'll conclude with some songs, uh, a song. So Please stand up. Por favor, póngase de pie. Vamos a recitar esto en inglés primero, después en español. Brothers and sisters, what do you believe? ¿En qué creen? I believe in God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy and universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Vamos a ponernos de pie, por favor. Creo en Dios Padre Todopoderoso, Creador del cielo y de la tierra, y en Jesucristo, su único Hijo, Señor nuestro, que fue concebido del Espíritu Santo, nació de la Virgen María, padeció bajo el poder de Poncio Pilato, fue crucificado, muerto y sepultado. Descendió a los infiernos. Al tercer día, resucitó de entre los muertos. Subió al cielo y está sentado a la diestra de Dios Todopoderoso. Y desde allí vendrá al fin del mundo a juzgar a los vivos y a los muertos. Creo en el Espíritu Santo, la Santa Iglesia Universal, la comunión de los santos, el perdón de los pecados, la resurrección del cuerpo y la vida perdurable. Amén.